Hello and welcome to the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and what a massive end of the week we've had since we recorded on the week on Wednesday. And of course, we are going into budget week. And it's really looking like the Frydenberg Morrison government is trying very, very hard to be labour light in this budget. So, for example, they're saying that unemployment is now at 5.6% and tipped to continue to decline. While unemployment is at 5.6%, it's important to recognise that underemployment, when added in, lifts those numbers up to 13.5%. So you're still talking roughly 1.7, 1.8 million Australians who don't have any work or don't have enough work. And underemployment has actually been growing in a number of states, three states as of March, and wages, of course, continue to be flat. Pile on top of that, the fact that part-time employment has accounted for most of the growth in jobs since the pandemic, and full-time employment has declined. Now, just to pile on top of that again, you've got to take into account the fact that when the ABS does these data releases, it classifies anyone who's worked 35 hours a week or more as full-time. It doesn't mean you've got full-time employment entitlements. doesn't mean you've got access to leave. doesn't mean that you can take sick leave when you're unwell or that even that you've got paid your super just means that you've worked 35 hours. So when the ABS says one in three people in Australia are employed part-time, it's not counting all those casuals who are working full-time hours or more, they're counting them as full-time employees, despite not having any entitlements. So there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of smoke and mirrors in the Morrison budget. And we can expect to see lots of talk about how strong their recovery has been and how good it is and all the rest of it. But the reality is Australians know that wages aren't going up. People are in more insecure work than ever before. And for all the talk of lower unemployment, we're seeing more underemployment. So what does it really mean? Well, it means that things not being as bad as they could be isn't really good enough. So take some of the other issues that are going to be on the table this week. So the NDIS, we've seen the Morrison government talk up independent assessments as a saving, in inverted commas, of $700 million for the NDIS. That's a cut. They're going to cut funding from the NDIS. They talk about a billion-dollar blowout and the need for sustainability. There's been billions of dollars of blowout in the submarine program for the Navy, but nobody talks about sustainability there. When it comes to people, the Morrison government wants a sustainable, in inverted commas, program. When it comes to handing money over to defence contractors, they're more than happy to just continue pumping out the cash. Let's look at superannuation. It's great that the Morrison government isn't going to try and legislate away the already legislated and enshrined in law increase for super, but now they're talking about increasing the amount that wealthy people can put into super as a kind of tax minimisation and added bonus investment before they can take it out again as some kind of first home deposit. This is the first home super saver program, you know, and they announced this as you could put 30 grand into super voluntarily on top of the compulsory payments and take it out for the use uh, in your home deposit. They're now going to lift that to 50,000. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't know a lot of everyday Australians who have 
a spare 50K lying around to put into super, you know, this is a way that people on high incomes can minimize the tax they pay and compound the returns they get in order to help their kids buy a first home, in order to get into the housing market. This is not something that most everyday Australians are going to be able to access. And it's really a perversion of the superannuation system to maximize the returns for the already wealthy. Of course, there's lots of things that could be done in super, like paying super on every dollar, removing the minimum threshold so that particularly women and part-time workers and casual workers actually get some superannuation payments, paying superannuation on every day of parental leave and maternity leave. These are all things that could be done to improve superannuation outcomes for actual working people. We're also seeing Morrison talk about putting billions into aged care. But of course, the Aged Care Royal Commission has shown us that the aged care system itself is broken. The pandemic demonstrated that in really harsh terms for many thousands of Australian families who had to go through the grief of watching their elders pass away in these privatised facilities. Simply pumping more money into the hands of private profiteers isn't going to guarantee the kind of staffing ratios that are needed, isn't going to guarantee the time to actually care for people. We need a systemic reform, not just more money. Yes, more money is going to be welcome. And the Royal Commission said that there needs to be more money. But it stressed how important reform to the policy, to the structures, to the frameworks of that system are in order to get the kind of outcomes people want. And we're not talking about lavish outcomes. We're talking about having nutritious meals. We're talking about not leaving people in in puddles of their own urine and feces. We're talking about making sure people aren't languishing with sores and wounds that get infested with maggots and infected and inevitably cause them serious health problems. These are all issues that the budget is some way going to talk about and is going to touch on, but it's not going to actually move the issues forward. The Morrison government's going to throw a lot of money around in the next week. It's going to talk big dollar numbers. It's going to talk about percentages where the, num- where the numbers don't actually work, like in unemployment, like in wage growth. The Morrison government has got 30 wage predictions wrong. 30 wrong. And they're going to come out and say wages are going to grow by X, Y, and Z. But of course, we know that all of these issues, bundled into all of these issues, the underlying thread, the thing that brings it all together is power. So while Morrison and Frydenberg are out there saying that we haven't suffered as badly as we could have during the pandemic and that people were so negative, but it's not as bad as it could have been, remember that just because it's not as bad as it could have been doesn't mean that it's good enough. And simply pretending as though wages will go up by themselves, as though It's all right if we just shelve a little bit of the independent assessments for the NDIS. We're not going to completely cut away at super, so don't worry too much if we tack on a a program for the already wealthy. And in aged care, sure, the system's a bit broken, but we'll throw some more money at it. The underlying thread here is power, and who has it? If you want wages to go up, you need to let people unionise. Workers need to come together. They need to be able to demand increases in wages. And we're seeing this in New Zealand, where they're putting in place industry bargaining, where they're saying working people can come together across workplaces to lift the standards, to lift the wages, to lift the conditions for everyone in their society. 
This is the kind of reform that's needed. Even in the United States, President Biden is bringing forward legislation that will give working people the power to improve employment outcomes, wage outcomes, and make real meaningful inroads into the kind of policy frameworks that determine things like disability services, superannuation and retirement outcomes, aged care provision, childcare. These are the sorts of things that when working people have the power to shape them, they shape them for the benefit of everyone. When people like Morrison and Frydenberg have the power, they shape them for their vested interests. They shaped JobKeeper for the interests of people like Jerry Harvey. Instead of a real wage subsidy, they created a program that delivered hundreds of millions of dollars to the kinds of people who support them, who would use it for CEO bonuses and shareholder dividends. So this budget really get into the detail because that's where they're hiding a lot of the sting. A lot of the sting in the tail is going to be beneath those headline figures. Now, I also want to point out that this week we've seen Erica Betts, the Liberal, Liberal Senator from Tasmania, drop from first on the Liberal ticket to third on the Liberal ticket. And we're all very pleased to see him go. Erica Betts, of course, for, tried to force through uh, the work choices uh, legislation. He was part of that whole gang. He's, you know, for a long time been essentially a homophobic bigot who has attacked um, the LGBTIQA plus community. Uh, he has voted obviously against marriage equality. He has an astoundingly terrible record uh, when it comes to supporting people. He's, uh, I can't even go into all the details of the, some of the horrible things he's done, but he's been anti-woman, he's been anti-union, anti-worker. Uh, and of course, we're glad to see him go. He has been there a long time. Um, and people might have also seen this week that George Christensen's Liberal branch members have asked the uh, LNP in Queensland to reject their nomination of George so that he gets a $100,000 payout. People may not be aware of this. There are rules around MPs that essentially give them a severance package if they are not pre-selected, having already been in parliament, they don't get re, they don't get pre-selected again. They get a payout, or if they run and they lose, they get a payout, and it's about a hundred thousand dollars, a bit more than a hundred thousand um, dollars. So what's likely to happen here is, of course, Erica Betts will be in the third spot in the Senate ticket. He's unlikely to get re-elected, uh, and he will now get this payout. So. As much as I'm glad to see Erica Betts go, I think there is something of a rort in this. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I actually think that we should be putting in place strong pensions for politicians with strong conditions that prevent them from going on to be um, uh, you know, these kind of uh, lobbyists and working for China when they were the, the trade minister and all these sorts of things. Uh, but I'd like to see that be open and transparent. And I get this distinct impression that what Erica Betts and the Liberals in Tasmania are doing is actually trying to sneak one through here uh, so that Eric gets his payout. Um, but, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Erica Betts will get out there and campaign really, really hard from the third spot on the ticket and try and get himself over the line. Um, of course, I hope that that doesn't come to pass uh, and he gets the boot from the Senate. So, folks, that's the weekend wrap. It's really focused on what's coming up this week. Obviously, the week on Wednesday, we'll be talking about the budget in some detail. Uh, so do tune in. Do keep an eye on these announcements because they are, they are going to be big headline numbers and devil in the detail. And as always, remember to be kind to yourself 
and to each other. Bye.